Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Twenty-some years ago, I wrote my first book called Moving On to Great Faith, and the book has been published several times, and we got to get it republished again. We ran out the last time I published it. Within two weeks after I had it all reprinted, it ran out again, because it was at an open Bible conference. But anyway, to make a long story short, we're very excited to be sharing a series, Kathy and I, on faith. How many know the Bible says, apart from faith, separate from faith, it's impossible to please God? Come on. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The subject of faith we can't talk about uh, enough. Why? Because everything we do in life, whether it's praying, whether it's giving, whether it's loving, whether it's showing hospitality, it all needs to be done by what is called faith. We found out that faith is not just a concept, it is not just a camp, it is not an experience, but it's in the person of Jesus Christ. Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have faith in God. We must understand that faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. We've covered already all the ingredients of faith. Now we're talking about the activation of faith in our everyday life. What I've learned out in the Bible and in my first book was that there was a woman and she was a Syrophoenician woman. She was actually a Gentile. She was not from the Jewish origin or from the Jewish nation. And this woman came up with the first test that we're going to be talking about in a moment. And it was the test of trouble. But in Matthew 15, 28, it says, Dear woman, Jesus said to her, Your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Now, the word great over there means it was huge. So how many want to have huge faith? Okay. Her faith was remarkable in magnitude. The word means in degree or effectiveness. And one of the translations for the word great is actually where we get mega. And mega speaks about unusually large in extent, notable, remarkable. And the synonym for the actual word is abundant, big. It's even translated colossal. It's amazing in the scriptures there's only two places that Jesus actually made reference to great faith. And both of them were Gentile individuals. So how many know us in Canada and America watching and others around the world? How many know that gives us all hope over here today? And so how many would like to have great faith? So my question is to everyone this morning as we start, it's not just going to happen, drop out of heaven to give you great faith. The Bible says faith is awakened, our faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But what I've learned about before we get to chapter 1528 is it starts in chapter 1521. And in 1521 to 28, you're going to see there was five tests that this woman had. Now, if you're anybody, if, you, if you've ever learned anything about the majority of the populace, there's a tendency for men and women, just like myself, to oftentimes wait to the last minute. Okay, we won't ask for a show of hands. No, we will. 
How many in here can actually say sometimes you wait to the last minute, okay? And it doesn't just, listen, waiting to the last minute isn't something that just happens in school. It's something that happens as a lifestyle in many believers. They're waiting for this to break through or waiting for that to break through. But the reality of it is, the reality of it is, the test of trouble is going to hit every one of our lives. And if we don't understand it, this woman had a daughter, and the Bible says she was grievously, in the King James, tormented, vexed by a demon spirit. So the test of adversity, the test of trouble, is going to hit every one of our lives. And you can't go on to the second test until you've passed the first test. So if you throw in the towel when trouble comes your way, when difficulties come your way, and challenges come your way, you're never going to have great faith. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this here in Mark 4. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Another translation in Matthew 8 says, but he said to them, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? If your whole life is characterized by insecurity, inferiority, and fear, then the Bible teaches you, you have little or no faith. Then the Bible says we're not weak in faith. But Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How many want to have strong, great, mega faith? Come on now. So we're going to teach you about how your faith can arise in God. Because everything you're going to have on the recipient and receiving in is according to your faith. Jesus said in Matthew 9, he touched their eyes. They opened, and what did he say? According to your faith, or what? In correspondence to your faith, be it done unto you. Daughter, be of good cheer. Daughter, your faith has made you well. I have found out in the last 40 years in searching the scriptures that faith, listen very carefully, is what gets your prayers answered, is what exterminates the fiery darts of the wicked, is what sets your course for the future that God has for your life and mine. You know, John 16, 33 says this. I have told you all this, and Jesus is speaking. He says, I've told you all this so that you would have peace in me. So where do we get our peace from? God. From from Jesus, right? So Jesus is our peace, and it says here on earth, and we all live on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. So in other words... We live in a fallen world, and because this world is a fallen world, there's going to be lots of problems here. There's going to be trials here. There's going to be sorrows here. But then he goes on to say, but take heart, or take this to heart, because I have overcome the world. So in other words, what Jesus is telling us is it doesn't matter what goes on in this world. If you have faith in me, and if you keep your peace in me, you will overcome it. You will be victorious in it. And then it goes, I want to read down in Psalm now. And this is Psalm 34, 17 to 19. It says, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. So when the righteous cry out, and we are all the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we're righteous because we're in Christ, not because we're perfect. Because none of us is perfect. So we are the righteous. It says, when the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Some of their troubles? All of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many, not few, but many are the afflictions of the righteous. Mm -hmm. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Not some but all. And I want to talk about adversity for a minute 
Because, you know, that's any situation that you find yourself in where you are not comfortable in that situation. In other words, something is happening that is stressing you or it's a trial, it's a condition, maybe some kind of misfortune or distress or something that has now showed up in your life and it's taken away your peace in the natural. Because it's a big problem. It could be a small problem. It could be a big problem. But what it's causing you is to be at disease, right? So you're uncomfortable. You don't feel that peace. And so when those things show up in our life, we have an opportunity to go to God and to get our peace and to get our faith in him. And, you know, when I was praying about what we were doing this message, I was saying, God, show me, you know, situations in my life where I had to do that. And I got a long list God gave me that he reminded me of. But I want to tell one of the very first things. When I was first a Christian, I was brand new Christian, only a few months saved. And I was living in a basement apartment in Toronto area down near uh, Lake Ontario. And I was um, on unemployment insurance at the time. You know, I wasn't in a good place financially. And um, I got notice from my landlord, the people that owned the house. They called me up, and, or they called me upstairs, and they said, we need to tell you, you have to move out by tomorrow. That was a bit of a trial at the moment. You know, I didn't know what to do. And the reason why was because they weren't allowed to have a basement apartment, someone renting down there. And somebody on the street found out about it and called the authorities, and they were coming to inspect to make sure they had nobody living down there the next day. So I had to be out. I had 24 hours to get out. So that was a problem. And I didn't know what to do. I had no money. I had no way of, you know, I, I didn't even have a car at the time. Uh, I was in a predicament. So I just grabbed the want ads. And I started looking and I, I, I prayed. I said, God, you got to help me here because I don't know what to do. I, my eyes fell on an ad. I went and I made the phone call, ended up taking the bus down. And it turned out there was this big old house, just not about 10, not even five miles away. And it was in Mississauga because I was near the border of Toronto, Mississauga, where I had been living. And it was set back in, and it looked like a haunted house. <laughs> looked like this big old haunted house. I think, Corey, are you here? You remember that place, right? I think you do. <laughs> anyway, so um, I ended up, the, the turn of the landlord was renovating it, and he had four apartments in it, and he was going to be renting them all out. Well, I had to tell him I don't have any money. I will have some money in a few weeks, um, but I just, this is what happened to me, and, but I can probably help you rent the other apartments there. So basically, he let me move in, and then I was able to get the, two of the apartments with people in them. But then, before I had time to get the fourth apartment rented out, he rented it out to a biker that was a drug dealer. So, you know, we just all moved in, and then this um, motorcycle gang pulls up, and they're taking all this guys, and we didn't know who was moving in. We just thought, okay, this is, you know, this is, uh, this was another trial, okay? And so, uh, anyway, to summarize the story, just to make it quick, he, uh, it was one guy moving in. He, w he was awaiting trials to, uh, because he had been busted for drug dealing. And, but long story short, we led him to the Lord, and uh, God used him. He led many others to the Lord, so it's, a, it's all a good story in the end. But how many know you can be in trials like that, but if you trust God and you put your faith in God, he will bring you through. And so, you know, a trial, though, comes one of three ways. And I just want to say this. It can come through your own bad decisions. In other words, you can bring your own trouble on yourself by doing stupid things, which we all do. And then another trial comes uh, when other people bring that trial on. 
In other words, somebody else in your life does something and, you know, a circumstance beyond your control happens and you end up finding yourself in a mess because of the choices of someone else. And then the third way trials come is the devil. And it can be just a spiritual attack that the forces of darkness put on you and you've done no wrong or done nothing to bring that on yourself. And so it's really important to know where the trial comes from, right? Because if it comes from you and you brought it on yourself, you need to make things right in order to get the right results later on in your life or to get even if you have consequences from that trial god will still use good out of it when you get your heart right and and adjust your life then if it comes from other people you have opportunities to walk in forgiveness to walk in love to grow in patience and long suffering you got to see that every trial in life is, is designed for you to grow in your faith and grow in your character and then of course if it's a spiritual attack you need to uh, pray and do intercession and, and come against those spiritual forces of darkness that are coming against you. So every trial has opportunities to grow spiritually and to walk in victory and to be an overcomer because Jesus overcame for you. Amen? Adversity is what the enemy uses for a crisis. Listen very carefully. But it's what God uses for a classroom. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's going to be a learning from that whole thing. And, and the thing that you need to understand, Kathy just said it well about uh, people oftentimes could cause the crisis, bring it on their own selves, or it comes because of the enemy, or it comes because of something that we have done ourselves. But I've realized that crisis can be summed up in this here. It comes one of two reasons, because you're doing something wrong, or you're doing something right. And in both situations, how many know the enemy is still going to be there? So what we've learned over there to assess from this here is that if you haven't gotten this here understanding, adversity always brings an opportunity. We live in a fallen world, and listen, if you get that into your mind, that when you face the troubles, you face the difficulties, there's always another side to the story over there. How many know a good example of that would be in the book of Job? That his trouble, his challenge, his adversity, it lasted nine months. Okay, the whole time of a pregnancy, if you want to term it, his challenge lasted for a season of nine months. But afterwards, how many know everything he lost, God not only restored it, but he gave him double of everything that he had lost. He had double the cattle, double the sheep, double everything, double the money, double the gifts, double the family, double the kids. God blessed him with the double, okay? But it came after a painful experience. In the same respect, Joseph's test, it lasted 17, excuse me, 23 years. 23 years from the time he was 17 to the time he was, uh, got into the king. Uh, how many know it was 13, it was 17 to 30 is 13 years. But he didn't see the answer at, at, at 30. He saw the answer at 40. How do I know that? Because the, the, the fulfillment was seven good years. And then halfway in the second part was another three and a half. Added up, it was 23 years. A pain that he went through. But afterwards, how many know God rose him to the other side? And he had a great ministry afterwards that impacted the nation to this day. In the same respect, every test that you go through can be the seedbed for a potential testimony. I've read through the book of Hebrews chapter 11, probably more more than any other chapter, I would say other than Ephesians 1 and the prayers, I have read through that there chapter. And I have recognized that every hero of faith got into God's heroes because they passed some test. 
The Bible, if you don't understand this, is a book of crisis and how they overcame. Uh, the garden crisis with Adam and Eve. The, then the Cain and Abel crisis right afterwards. The Joseph crisis right after that. The Red Sea crisis with Moses. The Midian crisis over there with Gideon. The Sodom and Gomorrah crisis. Hagar crisis. The Lot crisis. The Isaac crisis with the famine. God revealed the hundredfold principle when he had the famine where there was barrenness, where it was all dry. It was all drought. And God showed himself a hundredfold because he told him to plant in a season where nobody else would plant. In the same respect, there's the Nehemiah crisis, the burned down gates, the Ezra crisis with the female crisis with Esther, the Holocaust crisis, the Job family crisis, the Daniel lion's dead crisis, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego crisis. Then you go to the book of Jesus' life. It was a life of crisis. From the very conception to the very birth of the Son of God, how many know Herod tried to wipe him out? And the enemy fought him on every front. The Bible says he departed from him for a season. But how many know the enemy was there to try to destroy him? And then you go to the book of Acts. There was a murmuring crisis. Then there was a doctrinal crisis. Then there was the Paul and Barney crisis. And then there's the wolf crisis. Know this, that after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in amongst you. Not spring of So the whole book of Acts was a book of crisis. But in every one of the situations, they took it by faith. And they overcame. And they changed it from the test into a testimony. Just like God says. The greatest promise to everyone is in the world, you will have what? Tribulation, trouble, crisis, sorrow. But he said, be not afraid. I've overcome the world. What is he saying? Whatever you'll face, there's going to be a testimony on the other side if you don't give up and quit. You know, James 1 verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, yeah. consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now think about that for a minute. When trouble comes your way, and it will, Consider it an opportunity. See it as an opportunity for great joy because that means there's a victory on the other side. There's a miracle on the other side. There's something on the other side of that on, trouble yeah. that's going to cause you to grow. So, so for you know that when your faith is tested. So in other words, trouble comes to test your faith. It will test your faith, right? So your faith is going to be tested. And it's important that your faith is tested because then it grows. Because it says your endurance is a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many want to be perfect and complete, needing nothing? That's a good place to be. Perfect and complete, needing nothing. So in other words, we all have a measure of faith. That faith will be exercised, but it's exercised through the trials and troubles that you go through because it's the little trials and the little things that come your way and the bigger things and then bigger things that will make a difference of whether you'll have great faith in the midst of the major storm that, that is there to take you out. You know, we all have opportunities every day. But faith is an opportunity. It's a gift God has given us. And it says we need to trust God in the little trials. Ha keep your peace in those trials. Go to him. Get in his face. Get in his presence. Right. You know, just trust him no matter what happens. You know, I have some very, very good friends. In fact, they're friends of this church, Peter and Ambertorius. How many know Peter and Ambertorius? They come here uh, almost every year. We'll and we've been uh, friends. I've been friends with them for 30 years. And they're very, very close to them. Been over to Africa. In fact, I'm going over to be with them in a about three and a half weeks and we were just we just had dinner with Peter and Ann a month and a half ago and it was a dinner and a time with them 
were, I knew I was seeing a miracle. They call Peter the miracle man, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, he, about six months earlier, maybe eight months earlier, back almost this fall, I think it was a, a year, it'll be a year this fall, he had to have uh, some surgery, a triple bypass, but right after the surgery, he died. And he was dead without any life support, nothing, completely dead for 45 minutes. 45 minutes. And then um, in that 45 minutes by faith, which was Anne's faith, and uh, we're going to see a clip on this in a minute. Um, anyway, they, she was just believing and standing on the word of God sure. for him. And she called all over the world, partners that they have all over the world, including us. And I remember the day we got the call, she said, Peter just died, pray. They're, they're trying to revive him. We called all our staff into the chapel, and we just all went into intercession and prayer, declaring life over him for sure. a while. I know other people did that around the world, the other partners sure. and friends they have. And uh, anyway, he came back to life. Come on. And then they were, that he was in a coma for two weeks. They were told, she was told he was going to be a vegetable. They, all kinds of stuff. They, it's just incredible. Now, two months prior to him dying, um, he had had a prophetic word over him by actually Kenneth Copeland. And it was along the lines of his latter years would be greater and that what he's done up to this point would be even far greater. Now, you've got to understand Peter and Ampertorius. They have lived their whole lives by faith since they've been believers. They feed over a million children a day. That's got to take a lot of faith. Um, they um, have won, in one year, they won over a million people to Christ through their crusades. They've won millions and millions of people. They're South African couple. They've uh, just made a big impact on Africa, on the nation of Africa. And uh, anyway, they're an amazing couple, but they've lived their whole lives by faith. And, and they've been through many trials and many troubles and many things that they've had to overcome. But this was the biggest one they've ever had to overcome. And, uh, but he's called the miracle man. And the Jewish doctor that worked on him, they all say it was a miracle. They call him the miracle man at the hospital. But the Jewish doctor said that he has restored his faith in God because of what he witnessed happened. But uh, last week, uh, Peter was on uh, Life Today, James Robinson's show. So we took a little bit of that show, just kind of cut a lot of it out just to get it down to five minutes. But we're going to play a clip where they're talking about the experience of what happened when he was uh, when he died. It was extremely serious, James. He went in for a triple bypass heart surgery, and they reckoned it would be a couple of weeks, and he'd be up and he was going again. And they did the surgery, took him through to the intensive care after they came out of the operating room, and they said they were just settling him there, and I'd be able to come through and see him. And the next thing I saw staff running backwards and forwards to the operating room. None of them would make eye contact with any of us. I was sitting there with the family. And we realized there was an emergency, but hoped it wasn't him. Uh, it turned out it was him. And they fought for seven and a half hours. They worked on him. The first 45 minutes just trying to get the heart going and he was trying to pulsate the heart but realized the blood had co coagulated and the clots could have gone anywhere in the body if the blood could move. Mm. So he had to syringe with a saline solution. He had to syringe every chamber of the heart out and each one of the valves to try and now get Now they have him on a, 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 a life support connection while no, he's doing this? No, 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 no. No, no because if they did then the blood would have circulated. So he couldn't let the clots would have gone everywhere. Mm. It would have destroyed your brain. So it would have totally destroyed I was clinically dead for mm. 45 minutes. Mm. Unbelievable. So he used the saline mm -hmm. solution. Did, go ahead. He, clear, he cleared the heart out and he managed then, after all of this time, they then managed to get him onto the heart 
lung machine that they inserted into the groin, into the heart, so that the machine could work the heart because his heart was not capable of pumping. And they got that going, then they got him onto the ventilator for the lungs. And you said and your his, lungs, Peter, had collapsed, both his lungs? lungs collapsed yeah. too. My lungs collapsed, my heart collapsed, my kidneys collapsed. So I mean, literally everything was working through machines assisting me. They even put a uh, permanent port in. They thought I was gonna have dialysis for the rest of my life. Um, and they put the port in, they tested, it was working. They never used it, James. So By the time the, they you, wanted, how long were you on the heart lung machine? How long did that well, process? Five, five days. And they, you were in were you in a coma then? Yeah. They can't go longer than five days because the blood's restricted to the leg. And the leg starts to get gangrene. I had gangrene in both my feet and in my toes. So, you know, they can't go longer if they go longer than the five days are gonna end up amputating your leg. Mm. So it's that whole balance of when do we get him off the machine? And even after the five days, I mean, there was such tension because not many people live after they come off the machines. So. And what you were, you were communicating, but what's going on inside of Ann Pretorius? Um, I've never had to trust God in such a dimension. The faithfulness of God is something way beyond anything that I even knew. And we've trusted God for lots of big things all over Africa with the work that we've done over all of these years. But somehow to sit in a personal crisis like that, uh, the faithfulness and the bigness of God became so real to me. The magnitude of the body of Christ who, who were praying and encouraging and saying, we're standing with you, we're believing with you. Because you must remember, James, I'm sitting in an environment for 32 days and 32 nights in the intensive care where we're surrounded by death, negative reports, negative input from all of the doctors about his condition because day after day there was just something else, something else, then there's infection, then we have to test, then we're doing more bloods, then we, they gave him 22 units of blood during this this whole process. So every day there was something else that was terrifying and yet just about every day there was another little miracle and sometimes a big miracle. And, and I think that's what kept me so encouraged because I knew that I knew that God is gonna see us through and that I could believe in the impossible, the substance of things hoped for. If I hung on to faith, it wasn't the evidence of what we see. It's what's not seen. And what's not seen was the hope that this man would be with us still. Well, the night that they did the work on me in the intensive care, Anne asked the surgeon, you know, how much chance has my husband got? He said about half of 1%. Half of 1%. Yeah. Wow. They have the whole story on Life Today website, so you can go there if you want to hear the whole thing. We had to edit it just for the time for the service, but it's quite a story. But how many know you don't get faith like that first time, right? You've got to be exercising your faith your whole life. And then when the big trial comes, you have the faith to overcome and have your miracle. We had dinner with Peter and Ann just, uh, like I said, a month and a half ago, and he, he's, his, everything is restored in his body. He's totally healed. The only thing he said, the only side effect he has from that whole thing was he gets a little bit of pins and needles in one of his toes at night and it bothers him. So I gave him some peppermint oil and he called me from Washington and he said it really worked and took that away. So it was really good. So he's doing very, very well and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them in Africa in August.
You know, there's a verse I want to share with everybody. We're going to wind down and go into communion in just a moment. But how many know that there's people in this here room that have faced betrayal, infidelity? There's people here that have faced incredible financial challenges inside of your life. Others maybe unplanned pregnancy, uh, unexpected debt, decisions that people have made. I can, t- I can walk you through so many different things that we personally have gone through. I mean, one day at WCF many, many years ago, I come in on a Sunday morning, there's a church split, and we lost 200 people in one weekend. And it was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And the pain that we actually had to walk through and then keeping in, many of them have been restored back to fellowship, many of them are here today. But there's been so many things that we have personally went through, but we've learned this year, whatever test that we're going to face, we always look to the second part, there's going to be a testimony. It doesn't matter. How many have ever made a mess of your life at one time or another? Come on, you made some wrong choices. How many know that mess is the seedbed for a message that God would have for you? And so what I want to share with you as I'm finished up here closing is this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And this is the Apostle Paul writing in verse number 9. He says, there is a wide door for a great work here. The King James actually says a wide and effectual fervent door has opened up for us. But then he says something. He said, and there are many adversaries in the King James. The New Living says, although many oppose me. So whatever opportunity that God brings you, okay, the actual Chinese word for adversity speaks about, number one, it speaks of a crisis. And the second part of the definition means an opportunity, So in the crisis, there's always an opportunity. Listen to this out of the Message Bible, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Message says, mushrooming opposition. Adversity brings the opportunity for your life. And when you study out people's lives, not only from the Bible, but people in everyday life. One of the greatest writers to date in the secular, his name is Stephen King. But are you aware that his first novel was rejected more than 30 times before he ever got? Uh, After being consistently rejected by publishing house, gave up and threw his first book in the trash, his wife Tabitha retrieved the manuscript and urged King to finish it. Now King's books have sold over 350 million copies. But it was 30 times, over 30 times, that they have documented they went to publishing companies and it never happened. Now, I'm not recommending this here, but, but there's, there's, there's one guy that, that I really like, his personality, because he's very blunt and he's very direct. How many have a prophetic motivation inside of your life? Okay. Few people inside the room, okay? And you may have known this here guy because he's on America's Got Talent. He's also on the X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, and American Idol. And, 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 and his name is Simon Cowell. Okay, the one that's direct. I remember this one lady goes up there and it's from the whole millions and millions of people get up there. And, and she just fly. It was so bad. It, it sounded like me singing or something, okay? And anyway, she gets up there and he says, did you ever have music lessons? And the poor lady goes, yes, I did. When I, that teacher ought to be fired. Okay. I mean, that's the kind of stuff he says. Talk about humiliation, okay? But listen, by his late 20s, Cowell had made a million dollars, and then he lost a million dollars. He told the Daily Mall in 2012, I've had many failures. The biggest were at times when I believed my own hype. 
I'd had smaller failures signing bands that didn't work. But my record company going bust, that was the first big one. Even after such a momentum loss, Cowell picked himself up and became one of the biggest forces in reality TV, serving as a judge for Pop Idol, The X Factor, The Britain's Got Talent, American Idol. And Forbes has estimated his worth at over $95 million. In the same respect, another rapper out there, his name is Jay-Z. He couldn't get signed to any record label company. So I'm only sharing these here because it works not only with the biblical stories, but it also works with the secular as well as the sacred. He came from a rough Brooklyn neighborhood, had big dreams to make it big as a rapper. Unfortunately, the rest of the world didn't agree with him at the first. Not one record label would sign him. Yet that didn't stop him from creating his own music powerhouse. His label would eventually turn into the insanely lucrative Rockefeller Records. And it says, no one can stop Jay-Z. Here's proof. Jay-Z is on top. Forbes magazine estimated his net worth at over $500 million, And Time magazine ranked him as their 2013 most influential person in the whole world. And he's married to Beyonce, okay? So anyway, to make a, a, a long story out there, these are the stories that we need to understand. They work in the secular as well as in the sacred. One other guy, and I, I, I just love this, and his name is Winston Churchill. And he says, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And then Rick Shimatero is going to go into record books for his quotes. Amen. And this is the one. How many have ever had a lemon car? How many have ever had a lemon washing machine? Or a lemon something? Around? Come on, raise your hand right now. Okay. Okay. What, we've always looked at it from a negative aspect. But I got a different flip side on the lemon. When life brings you lemons, remember how refreshing lemonade can be. Oh, that went over so well. Lemons have within them the seeds to a season of refreshing. I'm going to say it again, because some of you are going to put it on Facebook and it's going to go viral, okay? <laughs> when life brings you lemons, remember how refreshing lemonade can be. Lemons have within them the seeds to a refreshing, to a season of refreshing. Rick Shimachero, the health benefits of lemon include treatment of throat infections, constipation, Dental problems, fevers, internal bleeding, rheumatism, burns, obesity, respiratory disorder, cholera, high blood pressure. While it also benefits your hair, everybody say your hair, for those who got and those who don't, and your skin care. And it's known for its therapeutic property since generations, lemons have helped to strengthen your immune system, cleanse your stomach, and it is considered to be a blood purifier. As a matter of fact, lemon juice especially has several health benefits associated with it. It is well known as a useful treatment for kidney stones, reducing strokes, lowering body temperature. As a refreshing drink, lemonade helps you to stay calm and cool. And everybody said, Amen. So let's get this out in Facebook. When life brings you lemons, remember how refreshing lemonade can be. Lemons have within them the seeds to a season of refreshing. Rick Shimatero, put his name on there, because that's not from a book. It's not from a study. It's something I believe that is a revelation for all of us here. Amen?
Amen. Amen. Yeah, see, God made us, all men and women are made in the image of God, whether they know God or not. So the ability to operate in faith works for the unbeliever as well as the believer. That's right. Only some use it for good and some use it for evil. So we as believers need to know our God and operate in faith and use that faith for the kingdom of God and to do his will. And step out in faith wherever God is calling you to do. There may be a, something going on in your life. Maybe you're sure. in the midst of a trial or you're in the midst of something. You can use your faith to overcome. Look at it as an opportunity to grow your faith. But go to God. Get in the face of God and trust him. And, and call out to him and say, God, show yourself strong. And show me if there's something I need to do, something I maybe caused this in some way that I need to make right. And if not, just say, God, I'm believing you that you're, you're going to meet my need here, that you're going to cause me to walk in victory in this circumstance. Let's all stand up. How many have ever heard of the Van Gogh paintings? How many know they're not $1,000? How many know they're millions of dollars? Did you know that Van Gogh in his lifetime... While he was alive, he made over 900 paintings. But did you know that he only sold one? And it wasn't until after his death that they became what they did. And I, I believe there's, there's something in that. That was one of my closing remarks that I had over here. Some of us may not see, just like in the Hebrews, the heroes of faith, but they had better promises. Come on now. They saw into the time frame of history that you and I would be alive. Come on. Some of them never saw the fulfillment of the promises in their life. But how many know this is the time that all the prophets spoke into about the Bible says, darkness shall cover the earth, Isaiah. Gross darkness of people, but his glory shall be seen, manifest upon you. Come on, church. Uh, uh, there's, there's so many. It, it, it says, and the people that know thy God, they shall be strong and do great exploits. Did you know that was prophetic in the book of Daniel for the time frame of history that you and I are in today? I just wonder how many out there are hearing today and seeing us, and you're going to be the fulfillment of Daniel eleven thirty two. 32. The people that know thy God shall be strong and do literally is what it says, courageous, valiant works for the Son of God that were recorded in the history books to come for generations to follow if he so tarry. And so, Father, we thank you. We take it with gratitude. Help us to look at our hearts and to lay down everything at the altar that we need to lay down and trust you in any troubles or any trials or anything we're going through. In Jesus' name, amen.